0: Easter Sunday morning. It's a beautiful thing and um, it's a beautiful morning. You all look really good. you all dressed up nice. No more burial. No more death. We have reason to celebrate and um, that's that's the great reason we're here this morning. Our series has been a three-part series. Death, burial, and resurrection. And we are happy to finally make it to the third one, which is resurrection. And um, today that's what we're going to focus on. Jesus gave his life for us in order, so that, so in order to take our life from us. We'll surrender it to him in order for him to live his life through us. In a nutshell, that's the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. Resurrection. <laughs> let's look at the story. I want you to find in your Bibles, John chapter 20. Did you bring your Bibles today? I hope so. Bring your Bibles and uh, bring them them to uh, John chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John starts the New Testament. John chapter 20. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. Let me give you a second to find that. Let's look to God's word of prayer. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of your work here on this earth. God, thank you so much for allowing us a Sunday morning where everybody in the world is celebrating your resurrection. God, thank you for for sending your son to die on the cross for us, for you buried in the tomb, and then three days later, rising from the grave. God, we thank you for the hope that that gives us, the promise of eternal life, the promise that you will live within us and walk with us Throughout this life, God, thank you for all the many blessings that that brings to us. God, help us as we focus on those things to, to not just hear them today, to not just listen to this crazy Easter Sunday morning sermon again and again and again, but God, help us actually do something about it. Help us to apply it to our lives so that we can be different people uh, because of what we hear today. I pray this things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 20 starting in verse 1. Jesus laying in the tomb. We, we heard about how he got there. We heard about the, the crucifixion. We heard, heard about how he was buried. And now we pick up the story in John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read out the NLT this morning. It says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of a read-in to what's going on here. When, When John, the writer of this book, says that the other disciple, Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved... He's referring to himself, okay? So John was that guy, all right? Also in verse 3 there, Peter and the other disciple, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself, all right? And it's very interesting to me the complete and total human side of John coming out in this little passage right here. I don't know about you, but if any of you... Uh, you and a friend, you and a brother, and it's not, it's not so much girls, but definitely guys. If we want to get from here to that vehicle, from here from point A to point B, from here to that van, from here to that step, in most cases, it's a race. And if it's not going to be the first one to get there, it's going to be the one to get there in the best style, right? Because everything to a guy is a competition, Look at this. It's amazing. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. Verse 4 They were both running, <laughs> but the other disciple, who's he talking about? John himself, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he didn't go in. Interesting. Why not, John? Well, you got there first. You told us that two or three times already, that you beat Peter to the tomb. Why did you just go on in? I don't know. Verse 6, Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, I want you to point out, also went in and saw and believed. Two brothers, two very close friends get told of the news that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. What do they do? They run to the tomb. John beats Peter there, but he's scared to go in. And so Peter comes and and, and peeks his head in and then goes on in. And John follows right behind. Peter's kind of like the big brother here. Okay, I'll I'll take you in. Let's go find out what's going on. Greg's always been a little faster than me, so it's one of those things where I... But but he would have been scared to go in, so... So there's the story. There you have it. You find Peter and John, and, and Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He has risen. I want you to turn next with me to Romans chapter 5. Paul gives the church in Rome an amazing description of what took place on this day. Romans chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles with me. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in verse 6. Romans is just a couple books past John. On your app, it's probably five or six books down. Just punch it, hit Romans 5, and look at verse 6 with me. I'm also reading out the NLT on this one. He says, when we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we we're still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That's what we see in the, in the death on the cross, right? That's, that's forgiveness of sins. That's, that's the sacrifice. That's the redemptive power of the blood of the Lamb. Verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now, wait a minute. Isn't that saying the same thing twice? How can you be saved by his death and then saved by his life? Why do I need to be saved twice? No, it's not really what he's saying. So now we can rejoice, verse 11, in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Yes, the death on the cross did something for us, right? It gave us that redemptive power. It gave us that ability to be forgiven of our sins. God gave us that option. But the life that is brought by the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we want to focus on this morning Colossians chapter 3 one more verse this one will be on the screen Colossians chapter 3 verses 3 and 4 it says our old sinful self has died and our new life is kept with Christ in God Christ is your life and when he comes again you will share in his glory this is the new life that we're talking about the death and burial isn't enough and somewhat inconsequential but, but I want to mention it You notice the the logo of the church at Loveland, how it has the cross. And we we typically see the cross standing straight upright. But we didn't want it that way. We tilted it over because we don't serve Christ on the cross. We serve a risen Savior. Without an empty tomb, the cross doesn't matter. It's very inconsequential. It is not the knowledge of Jesus that changes us, but walking with Jesus that changes us. So let's apply what we just heard. There's a chart on the back of your bulletin. There's also, it'll probably be on the screen here in just a second. Can you guys see that? Is it turned right? Harry, can you see that? Barely? How's that? Is that better? There's a chart on the back of your bulletin. There's also a chart going to be on the screen here in just a second. And what we want to do is we want to compare Jesus' death with Jesus' resurrection. Okay? So, and and Jesus' death is basically the cross, right? And Jesus' resurrection is the empty tomb. So we're going to compare the two. Uh, first of all, Jesus' death was a claim to be God. Whereas his, his, the empty tomb and his resurrection backed up. That claim to be God. There are lots of people who claim to be God. There were lots of Galileans. There were lots of crazies out there that claimed to be God and said, I'm, Oh, I'm God. I'm God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's going to save the world. And what happened to them? Well, they were, they were killed and they were put to death, and, and tens of thousands of people died on the cross. So, what makes this guy, what makes this one God? What makes him the Savior? What makes him any different? How did this one become God? How did, how did this one, almost 2,000 years ago, mess up our calendar that we still go by today? How did this guy do that? Out of all the crazy preachers that roam around the earth and preach the end of the world is coming, how does this one become God? Because there's only one empty tomb. There's only one empty tomb. There's only one guy that went in the grave and came out the third day. The cross changes my t- title. It gives me the opportunity to be called a Christian. It changes my title. But the empty tomb changes my testimony. It gives me something to live for. Okay, now I become, I'm a, I'm a Christian now, but, but now what, what now? The empty tomb gives me something to live for. It changes my title, but the, but the empty tomb changes my testimony. The cross changes my destination. The cross brings me heaven because it was the sacrifice that saves, right? But the empty tomb changes my destiny. The empty tomb changes, changes who I am. It changes how I wake up each morning. It changes how I live every single day. The cross may have changed my destination. It may have taken me out of hell and put me into heaven, but the empty tomb changes who I am. It changes my destiny. The cross changes where I'm going, right? We're not going we're not going to con- a, a condemnation anymore. We're going to heaven. The empty tomb changes who I am. Jesus' re- resurrection changes who I am today. The cross forgave my sins. The blood that was shed. The beating that he took for me forgave me of my sins. But the empty tomb gives me power over sin. His empty tomb gives me power from within to overcome sin on a daily basis. I no longer have to walk around by my own strength. I can walk with His strength. I no longer have to wallow around in the same garbage that that I always get myself into. I can now have the power that comes from within because of the empty tomb. The cross was a one time payment. It was a one-time deal. Jesus' death was a one-time payment for past, present, and future sins. It was one time for all. The empty tomb means that I die daily. I surrender my life for his. I give up my life. Jesus gave his life for me in order to take my life from me so that he could live his life through me. The cross gets me out of hell and into heaven. The empty tomb gets God out of heaven and into me. There's a big difference in the two. If you look at just the left side, just the left column, you find that there's Christianity there. But on the right side, there's real life. There's life that is abundant, there's life that's worth living. It's not the knowledge of Jesus that changes us, but walking with Jesus changes us. Let's do it this way. Imagine you're in third grade. Anybody here in third grade? Joe, you're in third grade. Aiden in third grade. Second, okay, close enough. So imagine you're in second, third grade, somewhere around in there. All right, you're you're in third grade. Do you remember third grade? Who's your teacher in third grade? Does anybody remember? Johnson? James? Who else? Come on, help me out. Who's your third grade teacher? Mr. CEO. Mr. CEO. okay. Mine is Ms. Krieger. And halfway through the year, it changed, but I don't remember what it changed to. Maybe it changed to Ms. Krieger. I don't remember. That's weird. It changed to Roberts? Okay. Well, anyway, picture yourself sitting in third grade. You know, that awkward little chair, that awkward little uncomfortable chair. Maybe it was a desk, whatever it was. Sitting in third grade. And you got that really weird, annoying kid that's in third grade. You remember him, right? Maybe you were that kid. (laughs) Maybe that was you. The one that is just constantly talking and constantly disrupting class, constantly doing things that are just obnoxious. Well, on this particular Friday, next week is, is spring break, right? And so this Friday, this third grader, he is just bouncing around in his shirt, which is not too, uh, too non-typical. It's very typical for this young man to be bouncing around because that's just what he does. But picture this young man this particular Friday because next week is spring break and he is just on cloud nine. He's excited, he's bouncing around, he can't sit still, he's asking the teacher, so when's lunch? When's lunch? When where are we gonna be done? When's, when's school over? When's it gonna be done? He's like, I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> It's the happiest place on earth. I'm going to Disneyland. I'm so excited. And he starts singing that stupid song. It's a small world after all. And it gets stuck in everybody's head in the whole class, right? (laughs) Have you ever been there? Have you ever ridden that ride, It's a Small World? That ride goes on for eternity. And by the time you're done, that song is permanently stuck in your head. So I'm apologize for even singing a slight bit of that tune because probably it'll be in your head the rest of the day. So come back on Monday after spring break, that kid comes walking back into class and of course he's got his big stupid hat on with the big old ears, right? He comes skipping back into class and he sits down in front of me and he says, so how was Disneyland? He shrugs. God, he was all right. Like, what do you mean it was all right? You said it was the happiest place on earth. How could it just be all right? Well, tell me about it. How did it go? What happened? What, what took place? He said, well, we stood there, we got up way early in the morning, we stood in this really, really long line and, and we paid 1500 bucks a person for these tickets and we, we went and we gave, them to the, we gave them to the lady in the window and, and we, we clicked into the gate. You know how you do it at the ball game or at, at Disneyland? You click in, those stupid little turnstiles. You click into the gate, right? So they clicked in, and he said we stood there, and every 30 minutes or so, a train would come by. And it was pretty cool, but that got pretty boring. And uh, he said, "I got I got some cotton candy around lunchtime, but but standing there it was just kind of just kind of boring." I'm like, "What? Did did you see all that stuff out there? Didn't you didn't you walk through those tunnels and go out there and and experience?" I so, no, we just kind of stood there, because we, you know, we, we clicked in, we were there. Like, what are you, nuts? You didn't, go to, you didn't really go to Disneyland. I think this is the dumbest Easter illustration I've ever heard in my life, right? Is that what you're thinking? Let's go a step further. Imagine this, imagine uh, Walt Disney was still alive, right? And he comes in to check out the park the day that this young man, the crazy weird kid from third grade, was there, right? He comes in and he's he, checking out the park and he comes walking in the gate and, and he sees our little friend standing there just inside the gate. He says, so, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, all right, it's okay, I guess. And Walt gets out his map of the park. He says, look here, my friend. Look at all the stuff you, could, you can go do. You can go check it out. His friend just, oh, it's all right. I'll be all right here. Can you imagine experiencing Disneyland with Walt Disney? Can you imagine? You'd never have to wait in line. You could just walk right up to it, the front of the line, and just get on. And have you ever ridden that ride, um, the Pirates of the Caribbean? Come on, help me out. Has anybody ridden the Pirates of the Caribbean? Okay, so you're riding to that stupid thing and all of those caverns and stuff. Man, I don't care who you are. Whether you're in third grade or whether you're 65, you want to get out of that boat or whatever you're riding in and jump in there and start running through some of those caverns and checking them out, right? I'll bet you if you were with Walt Disney, you could probably do that. (laughs) Son, you don't even understand what I've made here. Look at all this stuff that I've made for you. Just think about it. Man, it would be so cool. No, I just... Just stand here. I don't get it. You believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, to forgive you of your sins. You're buried with him in baptism. And click, you're into the kingdom. Right? But then we just stand there. That's what we're talking about back in Romans. It says he died for us it was so that we could be alive, so that we could, have, we could be restored to him, right? Click, we're in the kingdom. But until we experience his life, God comes in with his plan. He grabs, his, he grabs the Bible, he grabs the map, and he says, look here. Look at what I've made for you. Look at all these great things that we can experience here in this life. Look at the life that you could have. Walk me through the park and show me all that you've made. Show me what it's all about. The creator of life walks in and allows you to to walk with him throughout this life. And all we do is click in. We just click into the kingdom and we just stand there. We just assume that that's all it's about. Well, this this Christian life is not all what it's what it's cracked up to be. It's just, you know, I mean, they say it was off. they say it's going to be awesome. They say it's going to be incredible. They say I'm just not going to have any problems anymore and everything's going to be hunky They they just clicked in and didn't go anywhere from there. The cross did that for us, but the resurrection allows us to experience the life that he wants to give. Walk with the Savior. Allow him to guide you through this life. Be with him. Grab his hand and waltz right to the front of the line. Go explore everything that God wants you to explore. That empty tomb took God out of heaven and brought him into each and every one of our lives. The empty tomb made it possible to walk with him through the park we all call life. Jesus gave his life for me in order to take my life from me so that he could live his life through me. What does this look like practically? Real quick, to go. I want to give you three, three keys to get this life. Don't just click in. Don't just click in. But actually live the life that God wants you to live. Number one, it's just like any other relationship. Number one, we've got to invest some time with God. We've got to invest some time with God. Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design. I was in computer-aided typography. Just another day, just another boring class. But in walks Carol Stevenson. I didn't say it out loud, but I started to invest some time. I tried to figure out who she was, who her parents were, where she lived, what other classes she had, where she worked, what she liked to do for fun. It wasn't a costly investment for me. It would've been for anybody else. It didn't seem like it to me. I was following her everywhere. I was going everywhere. She was going just to figure out what she was like. Well, don't they call that stalking? No. Because see what's on my finger right here? It's a ring and it's not stocking if it worked. Right? <laughs> we say we want a relationship with God, but we aren't investing any time. We're not spending any time with him. You say, Well I give him I give him my weekend. Well, I I, I really mean that I give him an hour and a half every weekend. Do you think Carol would be my wife if I spent an hour and a half every weekend with her? She might be a, 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 you know, just an acquaintance. Maybe not even a real good friend. Probably just a a casual acquaintance. If he doesn't have room in your schedule, he doesn't have room in your life. How much time have you spent with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, this week? Yeah, you can count this hour. Because for some it might be the only one. But you know what? Jesus Christ wants to spend time with you. He wants to walk you through the park. He wants to show you everything there is to know about the park. Second, we need to learn about him. Figure out who he is. Figure out what he likes. Figure out what he loves. I learned about Carol. I found out everything I could about her. What she liked, what she didn't like, what she liked about me, what she hated about me. And you know what? I changed. Guys always say, well, I ain't changing for some girl. But I did. <laughs> and it was better for me. It was it made my life better. Because I did. Same thing in our relationship with God. We figure out what it is that He likes. It's not a temporary fix. It's not something that just just happens once in a while. It's a lifetime change. It's a lifetime of change. The more we come to know the Savior, the more we come to understand the life that He wants us to live, the more we change. We become more like Him. Same thing with our relationship with God. If we're going to cultivate good character, we're going to become more like Christ. We're going to need to learn about Him. And second, we need to work through the awkward. Work through the awkward. What are you talking about? I remember the first couple of times Carol and I held hands. It was awkward. You didn't know if it was supposed to go like this or like this or which finger goes where. It was awkward. We were at a laser show at the planetarium. It was dark, of course, and they were playing loud music they tilt your chairs back a little bit and they're shining lasers on the ceiling, playing a little Pink Floyd. (laughs) I reached over and I took her hand. It was awkward. Our hands got sweaty. It was just awkward. But I still hold her hand. Laying in bed in the dark, the smell of a half-full diaper, sometimes two or three kids between us, the light from the porch light downstairs reflecting off the ceiling because Cameron forgot to turn off the porch light downstairs. I still reach through the kids and take her hand. It's not awkward anymore. I worked through the awkward. I don't know if anyone's ever told you, but walking with God, once you've clicked in, taking Christ's hand, taking God's hand and allowing him to lead you through life is awkward at times. They say that people pray when they're driving their car, and I tried that once, and it just feels weird, and everybody looked at me in traffic, and like I was an idiot just talking to somebody that wasn't even there, and they kept looking to see if my kids were in the back seat. It's awkward. I start to read my Bible. I just don't know where to read, and sometimes when I read it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't, doesn't work. It's just awkward. Got a devotional. I'm not gonna start reading this devotional with my family, but it's just so awkward to get everybody rounded up and you start reading it, it just feels weird. Everybody's looking at me weird. It's just awkward. Push through the awkward. Work through the awkward. Figure out what it takes to walk with God. A relationship is different with the creator. You know, with Carol, I could see her. I could touch her. I could, you know, I could interact with her. With God, it's just awkward. I don't know what what to say or do. Work through the awkward. I'm too ADD for, for long prayers. I'm just, just, it's, for me, it's like text messages all day long. God, thank you for this. God, please bless this person. Every time I see a car that looks like one of yours, God, please bless. Please bless Matt as he's at work today. I knew he's got a big challenge. There's a bunch of crazy people driving really fast. God bless him today. Those are the length of my prayers. If that's what it takes, then, then take his hand and walk with him. Find out what it is for you. Work through the awkward. Invest some time. Learn things about God and work through the awkward because it's worth it. It's worth it. God wants to walk with you through this life. Allowing Him to do that. So I want to congratulate all of you for making it through another Easter message. (laughs) It's going to do exactly what it did every other time. It's going to do absolutely nothing for you unless you take what you've heard today and do something with it. You've got to let it sink in and it's got to affect your life today and tomorrow and the day after. Unless you put it into practice, start walking with God. Death, burial, and resurrection, they each have a very important role in the gospel and in our lives. Are you going to click through the gate and just stand there and watch the train go by every 30 minutes? I hope not. Experience the full life God has for you. Maybe you're walking the fence. Maybe you've clicked in and you just haven't decided to go for it. To just give this life a try. Maybe you feel redeemed. Maybe you feel like you've been forgiven of your sins, but it's just really not the life that you had hoped for. Grab his hand and let him take you through the park. Maybe you're still trying to figure out if, if this life can be real for you. I challenge you to take the next step. Take the next step towards Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't even clicked into the gate yet. Maybe you're still standing on the outside saying, you know what, that life looks like it would be great. Allow the blood of the Savior to cover your sins. Be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism and claim that promise and then reach out and grab his hand and let him take you through this life. Thank you for spending your Easter Sunday morning with us. I appreciate it. Uh, We're honored to have you here with us, and we thank you for for being with us. We've got a couple of announcements. Um, Cade has some things he wants to say about the Easter egg hunt that we're going to have in just a few minutes, and then Adam has some art presentations that he's going to lead out in. So let's look to God in word of prayer, and then we'll turn it over to Cade. right, Let's bow our heads and... and, um, open up a connection, a vertical connection with God in heaven. Dear God, we thank you so much for allowing us once again to be a part of this story. God, we thank you so much for, for what you've done in the past, for all of the things that you did leading up to what we have today. God, your plan from from even the Garden of Eden, through your Son, the death the burial, and his resurrection. God, I pray that we won't just click into the park, that we won't just click into this life and just stand there and watch the train go by every 30 minutes, but God, that we'll experience the life that you really want to give. God, take our hand. Take each and every person's hand here in this room and lead them through the life with you that you want them to experience. God, help us to allow you to do that. I know it's going to feel awkward once in a while, but God, help us to work through that awkwardness and help us to invest that time with you. Help us to, to really work at learning what it is that you love and what it is that you like. I pray that you'll bless us this week, even today, to not just click in, but God, to let you guide us through this life, this park we call life. God, I pray that you'll bless each individual here this morning. Help this Easter message to sink in. And to change them from the inside out. God, change us. Continue to change us from the inside out. Pray the things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Kids, show of hands.